Hello, you amazing people. You're listening to the Marketing and Coffee Podcast, the show that brings you the latest in marketing, especially in the UAE market, with your host, Lijo Etoup. Welcome to another episode of Podcast with Lijo Marketing and Coffee. Uh, today, I have Sona Nambiar with me. She calls herself a disruptor. And how and why? She is a founder and editor at large at Kimia. She was recently accepted as a research contributor with the Dubai Future Foundation. Her entire career has been in journalism and leadership roles in the journalism industry. She started with Gulf Daily News in Bahrain. She has gone on to work with Gulf News, Gulf Research Center, Dubai Media, CPI Media. Her last publishing stint was with Thomson Reuters as a part of the co-stakeholder team to launch Zavia projects and Thomson Reuters projects. In her own words, after interviewing thousands of global and regional CEOs, consultants, and founders, she realized after 20 years in journalism that she needed to pivot her own life and use her experience in editorial strategy to take the road less traveled. So that's what she's been doing since 2016. She wants her clients to sign the check only if he or she loves challenges. She's also a huge advocate of sustainable urban living that is inclusive of communities and enjoys learning on EDX. She also loves us Adrak Chai with samosas and jalebis. Welcome to this episode, Sona. So thank you, Lejo, for having me. This is the first, this is my first experience doing a podcast. So I guess I'll be learning new things as we go along. So you can start shooting your first questions. Yeah. So I'm sure that there is a lot of learning for you. I think more importantly, there will be a lot of learning for people who are listening into this podcast and will find value from your 20 years of experience. Coming to that 20 years of experience, uh, how has online media evolved and transformed over the last 20 years from print? Okay. So to summarize, I think that one should be open to new experiences. For instance, yesterday I gave my first webinar and to another country, India, and I experienced uh, Zoom bombing, which is, remember I told you about it. So just imagine doing your first webinar and to a different geography and seeing someone scribble on your presentation that you took days to create. But it was very freeing up because in five minutes, I lost my fear of public speaking and actually grew more confident. So that's a new way to go for media right now. Uh, Online has uh, uh, changed everything and so has the pandemic. And today you are recording my first podcast, another first for me. So I believe that one must be open to learning and uh, growing throughout your life. I'm a huge fan of edX, uh, like I've told you, and I study, but minus the certifications whenever I get time, simply because I enjoy learning. So Lijo, in my field, usually editors, especially launch editors, we stay behind the scenes handling the complexities of publishing and we step out only to interview CEOs or regional heads. But like I say, we cannot hang on to the past and we have to keep disrupting ourselves and keep learning. And this has been a huge transformation. So to correct you, let me tell you my own story. I started my career in journalism in Mumbai with Free Press. And as a sub-editor, I would carry the fresh bromide rolls, uh, long strips, you know, with printed words. And I used to inhale the smell of ink while carrying them to the cut and paste artist who made the page. And it still, to me, is one of the best fragrances I know. 
Later, I worked with Business World and it was completely different. Sub-editors, we focused on editing and we were also encouraged to write articles and it was like no more bromides. That changed. And then I came to the Gulf and as you said, I worked in uh, Bahrain and then came to Dubai, worked with Gulf News. But something major happened during the Arab Media Forum in 2005 and I'd like to talk about it. I heard the very, very dynamic Khalid Al-Maina, the then editor-in-chief of Arab News, uh, talk about the rise of citizen journalism and how it would affect our industry. And many people, they laughed and they dismissed him. I mean, uh, lot, 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 many people were living in what I call ivory towers. But I did not as I had launched Gulf in the Media, which was an online news aggregator business portal for the Gulf uh, Research Center. And as business editor, I started understanding that change was coming. And Khalid was the first person to speak about it. But the next year, I left online and went back to print and launched the big project magazine. And I was happy with print. But that experience at Gulf Research Center had helped me greatly. And I knew how to use CMS, which is a content management system, and a lot of other things, how to tag articles. So when I joined Thomson Reuters in 2013 as the MENA uh, editor for Xavier Projects, I adapted quickly as I understood tags, categories, raising IT tickets, page views really well. And then eventually one day when waiting for my daughter to finish her driving class, I figured out how to edit on iMovie on my mobile and create a one minute video. With the strong editorial training for quality, you know, which uh, usually used to keep me from publishing anything for a very long time or, you know, after all the hundred quality checks that we go through and I still go through. At that point, I thought, let me go with emotion and speed first for Instagram which is actually where 80% of online is right now. It has made media and business both human and sadly attention span limited. Though I believe long form and quality is coming back in fashion because people have more time to read. This has happened during the pandemic and they want to understand in detail again. So I would say it's been a full circle. The formats have changed, but the core remains the same. Uh, quite interesting you say that, that the attention span has become short and that leads to a lot of content being out there which is uh, clickbaits and uh, fake news so that people get go to the pages that needs to be this this month for example all major advertisers are not advertising on facebook because of their stand on fake news and this has been one of the biggest challenges so as a journalist and then editor and having then set up your own editorial solutions firm what is your take right. on uh, digital fake news and clickbaits and how does it affect credibility? So I would say about fake news, in a nutshell, you check on Snopes, if it seems what I call incredible before forwarding, or check the newspaper in the city of that news or even Twitter, because Twitter is usually accurate, you know, people are quick to put up stuff that's happening. This is actually do your checks. It's, it's really, really very important today. If you talk about clickbait, Lijo, I would say that it is one of the biggest evils of online where headlines are written to lure people to reading. It works initially, but over a period of time, you lose credibility as a company and as a site. Because anyone familiar with analytics, and you know that very well, 
you know that once a reader loses interest, he leaves the page. And at the end of the month, your page results show high bounce rate. Then in the long run, people avoid your site or they find another one because not just is their attention span limited today, but their patience is thin. They feel like, you know, you've cheated them and everyone wants value for their buck. So if you want to be credible, uh, I urge people, I urge companies, clients, people I uh, speak with, don't go the clickbait way. You simply lose your audience. And I've actually shifted reading certain online newspapers due to, due to this. I mean, I don't want to name them. So uh, clickbait to me is an evolved avatar of what we used to call yellow journalism. Great to sell a couple of times, but after a while, people get jaded and they stop connecting with you. Plus, you lose credibility. So this is my viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. credibility is a very interesting uh, word because and I think uh, a lot of the brand newspapers or news magazines, online magazines are not working very clearly on, on credibility. And I, I know for sure, uh, Google sends me articles Correct. curated based on my return. Correct. How they send the clickbaits. And that brings, as that's for a brand and organization. And a lot of times, uh, there is a lot of credibility as an individual also. And people yes. use uh, ghostwriting and stuff like to build the credibility, which not yes. reflecting their own brand. Uh, Correct. How do you, what is ghostwriting and how is it different from copywriting? Or I, I remember having a conversation and you said there's something called outsource editor. So how are these this okay. different and how should it be a part of the content strategy of an individual or for that brand? Or a brand? So let me tell you a story. While speaking to a particular sports editor about a famous cricketer, he said, oh, I was the ghostwriter for his autobiography during my days as a reporter in India. And he went on and on about his experience. Now, two things happened that day. And this is much before. This is not now. I could never look at that cricketer in the same light again. He could have done a biography and not an autobiography. And I realized that a ghostwriter will work really hard and, and they're good people. I mean, they're good writers, but he or she can and will talk about that. This is like NDAs notwithstanding, maybe even years later. Now, the other thing that struck me is that if a ghostwriter pens your book or article or blog, that is they have written everything and you've done nothing, he or she will write lines that won't make sense to you later. So what I'm trying to say is that when you meet people and they hear you speak, they may ask you something about a particular line because you've triggered them off into some epiphany or you've inspired them. But now you don't know what they're talking about and you may have to pretend to be modest because you, you don't know what to reply. The other possibility is that people may feel that you don't talk like the way you wrote they will start to sense a disconnect between you and your writing and speak about it behind your back. And that takes away the edge from your credibility. Uh, copywriting is great. It's good for ads. It go it's good for generic uh, content, in my opinion. It's a lot of hard work too. But when people pay less, we know that copywriters will create what we call meh content, or which even Google doesn't like. Now coming to outsource editors, which is the route I take, I don't guarantee uh, vanity metrics, but I treat it as an editor, as I still write off and on for Zavia. So my methodology is that the person has to write. Next, I hold a series of interviews 
with very, very complex questions that experienced editors ask. So it's a hot seat and it's not for the faint hearted. So your question would be, do I have less clients? Yes, but they get original content. And like I tell everyone, original content, it's an asset that you invest in like stocks and gold and bonds. It stays forever on the net. And that is how you handle your online reputation management. Yeah, so I guess that's a lead on question for me in the sense that how does original content play the digital strategy of an organization? And I know that uh, a lot of uh, clients come and say that just take this from this website and just do some permutation combination of that. And, that's right. and, and they don't realize that on the, in the long run, it's so harmful for the organization. And that's my perspective. So what is your perspective of uh, original content in the digital strategy of yeah. an organization? So I completely agree with you and I've covered some of that in the previous answers. If you go online, you will see that Google uh, loves authentic uh, content. It likes original content. So it's time that companies start, you know, looking at it seriously. It's time they stop looking at cheap options and paying freelancers by the word, which is to me a very strange practice, but it's happening. It's a, a time that they start investing in finding content strategists who will advise them on their digi a digital strategy, but at the start of the project. So I regularly, I meet uh, business heads and they tell me they don't have a website ready even after six months. And when I do an editorial audit, I realize that they paid a developer first and then work backward to content. So with all due respect, you need to bring in the content strategy aspect at the beginning to ensure that your digital strategy is a collaborative process with everyone on board and done once and for all. So my advice is that if you want to be sustainable as a business and gain organic tra traffic and good reputation in the long run, you invest in original content from day one and you'll be sorted out for the next one year. So why I keep saying one year is because of the pandemic, a lot of things are changed. So you cannot talk of two years and five years anymore. Yeah. And so I think as a content, original content strategy differs for different people as a brand, Correct. as an individual, government, startups, everybody has a different requirement. And I think uh, one size does not fit all. But for example, in my agency work also, I make sure that I talk when I talk to clients, I first understand their why before even getting uh, to the solution. So from a content type as an editor, okay. what do you feel should be the strategy based okay. on the different kinds of industries, people uh, or structure of the organizations? Okay, so basically you and I, we are coming to the same goal, but from opposite uh, directions. So uh, I'll separate it as an editor. I'll separate this question into two parts. So first I look at uh, content type as an editor. So you have a long list to choose from. You have blogs, you have videos, you have infographics, case studies, eBooks, white papers, checklists, interviews, social media posts, and you also have GIFs and memes which work. But you, you know what's happening, Lijo, right now? Uh, there are many companies, they offer just one or two services and they call it, they actually call it content strategy. And clients, they actually fall for it as they enter the numbers game. So, you know, like the Rays, 
12,000 followers promise in one month. But if you actually go and check the kind of followers, the engagement, and you will realize that there's a huge gap there and you have to then ask yourself what you're aiming for. And then you also have to hire a full-time person to handle all that. For example, a community editor on social media, which is very important. And you have to probably get somebody in-house. So next, which brings me to the second part of that question, brands. So I don't treat anyone by entity as individual or government or private. As an editor, I look at creating a sustainable content strategy that is long-term. And then using these content types where best suited. So for instance, a blog could have infographics and feature interviews. A video could also be the same on say IGTV or YouTube. Then uh, for credibility and actually becoming a thought leader in your industry, I would say invest in eBooks, white papers, and then you make them uh, gated content, which means that you could ask, you know, the reader who's interested in getting this ebook or white paper because they see value for it and you, you are a credible company to sign up, you know, with their official email to get like good data from this person. And they have to part with this data to be able to read such valuable content. Now, how this helps you as a company is you get a rich database for your future. And you can use it for another form of, you know, uh, content, which is the trend advisory newsletter. So I would say think sustainability when it comes to what I call rich content. And then you can condense all this again into a video. So you can see how I think as an editor, because uh, by nature, I'm disruptor and, you know, deconstructivist. So when I propose content strategy and having worked in media for so long, I create what you call the multiplier effect with the same core content. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, it, it does. So that brings me as a digital marketer, there's, there are two parts where original content plays a big role for me. Uh, mm -hmm. One is from a perspective of SEO. Another is from a perspective of thought leadership and LinkedIn. Uh, Correct. So uh, the biggest challenge of SEO is original content be it on a website or social media. And as, as Google gets uh, more evolved, it makes its job, Google's job is to make sure that it gives the most relevant content to the person who's searching. What, what do you think is the biggest challenge for SEO and original content? And how do you approach so, it? Mm -hmm. So if you look at original content and how people approach it from the point of SEO, I think like I've already answered this because Right now, I don't know, uh, maybe it's happening to you too. If you look at the trend for corporates, they are now choosing micro-influencers instead of influencers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you get the case for why even corporates are taking that decision on social. So I'll just give you an example, which, which happened to me at some point is Rajiv Abraham, who heads marketing for Sony Middle East and Mohammed from his team, they let me experiment with the Sony RX104 and then RX105 for my filming experiments in Varanasi and Sri Lanka. Though I'm not a famed filmmaker or an influencer, because Raji wanted to see what it led to, which is original content. And then at some point in the last four years, I've had GoPro lend me their 7 Black for review, Canon their M50 and Fuji. Basically review, filming, hashtag and return. 
So I just see it as a sea change in the way of thinking. And uh, I don't know if that answers your question. And uh, regarding LinkedIn, LinkedIn and thought leadership, to elaborate, LinkedIn is a space to be your own unique self, to be credible. Today, there are around, I think, 450 million people on LinkedIn, based on the recent figures that I've got. Maybe it's even more today. So I would recommend that you start, you know, penning above, or you can start with penning about 1,000 words in what is now sadly called long-form articles, but which used to be the norm and is still the norm for good newspapers and magazines. You know, your op-eds, analysis. So start writing about your expertise, but you also need to bear your reader in mind and find that sweet spot in between. But uh, this could be true of anything you write, but even more as a thought leader, because people are now looking up to you. So you can teach them, educate them, you know, stir the, stir up, stir the crucible. You start conversations and don't be surprised if your readers come, you know, back for more. Uh, we've had this discussion, you and I, people are tired of corporate speak. What people actually want to know right now is how you failed at something, how you persevered as a, a company or as a business leader, how your team and you innovated and came up with a solution. So like I tell people in the movies, a hero or heroine starts training after some huge adversity. And then you have this, you know, subtitle which says six months later. And you don't know what's happened between those six months. So this is great for a movie, but in real life, what is happening is people, they need and they want to know the struggle. They want to know how you buck the trend. And that is your thought leadership. Another way is innovative thinking if you're a futurist and you're willing to write about it. It's a good way to go. I would say that be brave. Uh, I would say face your fears and write anyway. I would say, of course, get an editor to look at it and curate it, but start writing your thought leadership. Yeah, and I think uh, it goes back to being disciplined about it. And I think uh, a lot of people struggle on that also. Uh, exactly. Bring, bring forward their thoughts and leadership thoughts. Uh, onto a piece of paper and I think that's where you can help uh, people show that <laughs> definitely definitely yeah. so that's when I would say editors would advise you an editorial calendar this is what we we follow on a day-to-day -day basis weekly basis whether you're a newspaper you're a magazine you're online we have editorial calendars and stick to the editorial calendar like you said introduce some discipline into your life you know that today at between say nine and 10, I will write 500 words. I mean, that's a good way to begin. Yeah, cool. This, this sounds amazing. Uh, and I'm sure that I think we covered a lot of content strategy for a lot of like startups, evolve, people, government. So, and I think uh, this will be a very advantageous for a lot of people who are just starting on the strategy of how do I do original content. And I think there's a lot of learning from this. Any closing words, like let's say that for people who are upcoming in the journal, journalism world and like three or four years into their career or people who are writing original content, any piece of advice that you think would help them in their life? I think the advice that I usually give most young journalists who 
you know, approach me on LinkedIn, online, they reach out to me is stay true to what you believe in. Keep working hard. Don't take shortcuts. Do your research well. Stay credible because people are looking up to you to give objective information. And in your own way, you as a journalist, you are a thought leader in the making. So yes, that's my advice. So on that positive note, thank you very much, Sona, for coming on the show. And I think this is one of the most amazing podcasts I have done. Thank you. Thank you, you Nijo. It was really, really great. And uh, thank you for asking such unusual questions. In fact, you helped me to communicate a, a lot of things that I have been advocating. And you were like, you know, spot on. Thank you. Thank you.